you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly and uh, as always I'm joined on the show by Doug Moore. It's going to be a flying visit by Doug today. Uh, I know he's doing some house hunting. So uh, Doug, how's things going? Obviously... Uh, traveling around it can be a stressful experience but hopefully it's uh not too stressful for you this time around uh i'll give it a six on the one to ten scale it's uh it's it, it can be fun but also uh stressful at the same time yeah so, yeah definitely house hunting when you walk in somewhere and you look and you think oh this here place would be sweet i can have my uh, sofa over there i can have the tv there i can watch the nfl games uh sitting in this position it's gonna be so nice so relaxed so chilled but then you think, oh, it's going to cost that amount. And then you're like, you move on to the next place. It's just about getting everything, uh, you know, perfect. And uh, obviously then when you have uh, other people, uh, Doug, looking at it, like my wife or your girlfriend, uh, sometimes our decisions and our, our wants can uh, be left behind. Well, it's it's funny enough. We were we were looking at a place about 20 minutes ago, and, and the realtor just brought in someone else at the same time. Awkward, just sitting there looking at the place while – while uh you know the other person's looking there too it's like you have that death stare and you're like well this place is mine yeah. and they're like secretly saying back no it's mine and you fight to the death inside your own heads yeah it's uh when we uh when my wife and i were in melbourne we were looking at places and they would do open houses there might be 15 or 20 people in there there might be three or four apartments in the apartment complex and you just see uh see guys going up and asking the the realtor how much is it how many is there, how many apartments is there and so on and you're just thinking man, I'm going to fight this guy to the death to, to get this place. So it, it, it is a fun experience. It definitely can be stressful, but hopefully, uh, you know, by the end of this week, uh, it'll be all looking good for you and uh, you'll have somewhere started. Obviously, uh, to all the listeners tuning in, obviously you can listen to this podcast wherever you're currently listening to it. You can also listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the good ways to listen to podcasts. You can pretty much listen to us on uh, any of the podcast formats and uh, you can find all those ways on overtimeireland.com forward slash podcast. Make sure you subscribe, get each and every show as they come. We have been outside of the week after the draft. We've pretty much hit one a week since uh, post-Super Bowl, and uh, we'll hopefully continue that as long as possible this off-season. Can we be joined on today's show by Mike Tagliere? I mentioned as well it's going to be a flying visit by Doug as he is house hunting, but uh, Mike obviously is a, a tremendous guest, and every time we've had him on the show, he's been uh, absolutely excellent, obviously. Since the last time he was on the show, he was with Pro Football Focus. He is now with FantasyPros.com, so really looking forward to talking to him. But unfortunately, Doug's going to be jumping off for that part. But uh, Doug, you know Mike, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a good one for you to listen into after. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember talking with you after the draft, and, and we were strategizing who we're going to have on. You know, These are crucial times, especially with so much downtime. You want to have the right guests on. And I, I think I said to you, you know, one of the first names, that's not the first ones. We, we got to get Mike back on. He, you know, he's, you know, no matter where he's right now, like you said, he's over at fantasy pros right now. Um, but no matter where he goes, you know, he, he's not only a terrific writer, he's a terrific guy. I'm in a dynasty league with him. And, uh, but he's also an awesome guy. I know he just had a child with his yeah. wife and, um, and they you recently know, he, they recently moved house as well, so something in common with you there. Right, right. right. He was he was. We were talking beforehand. He was saying how much of a pain in the ass it is, but no, he's just an awesome guy. One of the friendliest guys in the in the fantasy football community, and he's an inspiration. Honestly, he he took a chance, and and you know, for not the uh, for people who don't know, you know, he was he was working a career and, and doing fantasy writing, and then he took a chance on himself. He left his job to pursue fantasy writing, and uh, it's paying off. And I'm not surprised at all. So. 
not only is he a terrific, I can't say enough good things about him, and it's going to be a terrific show. And I really wish I could I could do more and say more on this, but uh, it trust especially with with Mike being the guest, but. I will be sure to endorse it in every way possible, and I will make sure that the next time Mike is on, I will surely be here for <laughs> twice as much time. Yeah, so the next time, Doug, you'll be here for 20 minutes, if that's twice as much time. But uh, no, <laughs> obviously, uh, you know, he's a great guy. And this industry, the fantasy industry, is filled with so many good guys. You see it on Twitter, you see it through the podcast networks and so on. And uh, Mike is definitely one of the, the genuine guys at the top of that list, and uh, I love having him on. Uh, you know, there's been bits and pieces of news, Doug, since we had the podcast last week. The news coming down today. The latest news actually is uh, Ladarius Green of the Steelers cut, and I'll, I'll be talking more with Mike on that. But had you any thoughts on that? There, obviously, a bit of a surprise. And last year around this time, there was such hype behind him. Uh yeah, and I was probably the conductor of that hype. Yeah, train. Uh, I wasn't. It's 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 a tough pill to swallow. Uh, contract wise, it makes sense. He was owed no more guaranteed money after the first year. Um, you know, it, it's it's possible we never see him play another down again. Yeah. Um, you know, just due to his concussion issues, and and I, I was reading something how they they may not have even researched it properly, which really is just a disappointment because I think in that offense, if he was healthy, which we saw a little bit of towards the end of the season, he is such a, an explosive tight end, such a great receiving threat, and he was he could have been fancy gold in that offense and, and it's a shame it just did not work out yeah i i know you were a big fan. when we started the podcast as as a duo last year around this time i know that was uh the you know the situation i know that you liked him i, I just wasn't in because i had bought in in dynasty terms two or three years prior when he was antonio gates back up uh, in san diego so i can uh been there on that train and i just didn't buy into the hype that that time around but obviously anyone with concussion issues is always uh, worrying and that's why at times you know with somebody like jordan reed i have such uh, worries with him and his long-term prospects in the nfl so we'll we'll see what happens next with him and i'll be talking about that with mike uh, in a few moments time and uh, just to mention doing the show together doug i think it is around a year since we started maybe just short of that year i must look that up but it is actually the 250th episode off the podcast so a landmark there i guess what a quarter of a What's a quarter of a thousand? I don't know. but that, It's that's, 250. No, yeah. I know it's 250, but you know, like you say, quarter of a century when it's 25. I don't know if there's a saying for quarter of a thousand. So, so maybe somebody on Twitter will let us know. If a millennium? I don't know. Let's uh, we're, let's uh, let's just leave it at that. But uh, the other one I want to get your thoughts on before I let you go, Doug, is uh, Legarrett Blunt signing with the Eagles. Obviously, he was with the Patriots last year. I think he finished the season with 18 touchdowns over 1,000 yards, but was the bell cow back there got a lot of work obviously he's a big man when he gets uh, if he gets through that line he's very hard to bring down but the touchdowns really helped push him up last year and i think he's getting kind of a rough time this year or this off season you know people saying that he's not going to live up to what he did last year i don't think that's the expectation for him to live up to what he did last year but i think you know with what the eagles need with what the garrett blunt's fit is i think it's it's a, a positive it's probably as good as the uh, garrett blunt could have hoped for this time although the money that he got isn't quite what he would have wanted yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you're not going to expect a running back to go and, and run for, for 18 touchdowns in 16 games. It's not a realistic expectation for anybody, um, let alone I, I think a guy like Garrett Blunt who really had a breakout year. It's just bad, bad timing for him money-wise and career-wise because he is at that age. I think he's just under 30 or he just turned 30 um, where, you know, running backs are supposed to slow down, not supposed to be as effective anymore. Um but, you know, and the other thing, too, is, you know, he averaged, I think it was just under four yards a carry because he had 299 carries um, or maybe just over four yards a carry. But he had 300 carries 
um, in the season. He was, I think, top five in usage. But this situation is probably the best he could have hoped for beyond the Patriots. He's in a situation where the, the Eagles don't have a guy who can run on early downs, and they have a pretty decent offensive line as well um, that's going to be have Lane Johnson back, who they missed for most of the season. So it's a really good situation for him. I think fantasy-wise, it's the best one he's going to be at. Um, if it's not the Patriots this late in the uh, offseason. So I, I think he has a chance to be a low-end running back, too. You know, I, I think he has a, he's going to get all the early down work, I think, when you look at Sproles, uh, Pomfrey, um, Smallwood. They're all small third-down backs, really, when you think about it. Yeah. So I really think this is going to be a situation where he hogs the first and second down work. Um, and they may not even pass as much as the, as the Patriots do because obviously they have Wentz there. I think they're going to pass a lot, but you know I think it's a situation where he may not get 300 carries, but you could definitely see him over two. I could see 250 if he stays healthy. I would say probably around 1,000, 1,050 yards, and he could conceivably get double-digit touchdowns, I think, when he's that short yardage guy. So I um, really think it's it's a good situation for him. I'm excited for, for him. I think he's a, you know, I think he's got a good shot to, to put up decent numbers. Um, and I think for fantasy, like I said, it's the best situation for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I pretty much agree. It'll be interesting to see what Mike thinks in a moment. Uh, obviously, Doug, uh, this is where we'll let you go on the show, but obviously uh, you're on Twitter at NFL, And of course, I mentioned on the last few shows, the Locker Room Guys podcast as well. Definitely something uh, for all the listeners to tune into. So make sure you're following Doug on Twitter. Uh, if you're if you're not at this stage, what the hell are you waiting for? And uh, I'm obviously very excited to get Mike on the show right now. So Doug, I'll let you go. And uh, it's time to get Mike to jump aboard the OTI podcast. Hi, this is Greg Rosenthal, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. So I'm joined on the podcast now by Mike Tagliere of FantasyPros.com, and uh, you know, I mentioned there a moment ago that Doug's jumped off the show. He's obviously very disappointed that he, he's not getting the opportunity. I know he was looking forward to this all week, but sometimes, as you know yourself, Mike, uh, life jumps in the way of these kind of things, and as always, uh, I'm delighted to have you on the show. So w- welcome back once again to the OTI Podcast. No, thanks for having me back. It's definitely fun. It's always fun to jump on with you, man. Overseas, is a, it's a totally different animal. Uh, no matter where we are in the world, though, it's fun talking football, and that's what we're going to do today. Yeah, and I always think, uh, you know, when I start, I mentioned in the intro, too, it's the 250th episode of the podcast, so hopefully episode 250 is more enjoyable for the listeners than episode one, because sometimes uh, I think I'd be frightened to go back and listen to what, what I was saying then, but I think people have realized <laughs> at this stage that, you know, people over this side of the pond, when you're uh, into the NFL, you're really into it, and you kind of maybe dig in a little bit too deep and get a little bit obsessed so it's always great uh, you know talking about it's kind of an outlet for me because around here there's uh, not just everyone that wants to talk uh, about American football about fantasy football and uh, it's always a pleasure to get great guests on and uh, talk talk about it on a weekly basis so uh, obviously I talked two topics with Doug uh, just a moment ago and I'm going to get you to get your thoughts on them straight away as we jump in here and the first one we mentioned was uh, with the Steelers obviously cutting Ladarius Green and uh, you know last time last uh, offseason at this stage he signed a four-year 20 million dollar contract I put that in quotation marks I don't know if the listeners will be able to see that <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, last March but all the guaranteed money had cleared up on that at this stage so they weren't losing anything but he had yet to clear the concussion protocol he had ankle injuries last year so there is the, the head injury which is my biggest concern and I think it is very possible at this point that we've seen the, the last of uh, Latarius Green in the NFL but there was such potential with him uh, a couple of years back we always thought behind Antonio Gates that he would be that successor obviously Hunter Henry's in that spot now but 
your thoughts on uh, the Steelers just uh, kind of cl- cleaning their hands off uh, Ladarius Green, what it means for him, and then what it means for the, the Steelers' tight end room? Well, I mean, you saw we saw what it was to the tight end situation in Pittsburgh last year with Ladarius Green being out with the concussion issues that he was dealing with. Uh, You know, when he went to Pittsburgh, it wasn't something that got me really excited because Ben Roethlisberger and his offense, he typically didn't target his tight end very often. You know, uh, Heath Miller, granted, a lot of people liked him and he was that boring low end tight end one for majority of the time because he was very efficient, as was Roethlisberger with his pass attempts. So, you know, with with Ladarius Green not being included now, I just think it frees up a little things for like. Martavis Bryant I don't know if they would have necessarily cut ties with Ladarius Green so soon if they didn't know that Martavis Bryant was reinstated um, but you know Jesse James he was a he was a fine streamer last year I mean if you're looking at matchups like you know you know if he's going to go up against the Falcons or something like that you wanted to start him as a tight end because they're probably going to allow a touchdown so uh, he's a streaming option at this point but for, fortunately what it means is more targets for guys like Le'Veon Bell more, more targets for Antonio Brown and, and Eli Rogers that's that's those are the people that you want getting targets in the end because Ladarius Green, for some reason, he was always overhyped. I, and you yeah. mentioned it with everybody always thought that he was going to be the guy behind Antonio Gates. But Hunter Henry has already had a better career than Ladarius Green ever had in San Diego. And Ladarius Green had a shot because Antonio Gates was dinged up. He was suspended. He went through all these things where he had the opportunity and he just never really lived up to the hype. So for me, it doesn't really change too much to my projections. Ladarius Green was outside of my top 15 tight ends anyways. Yeah, so I, I wasn't a big fan. I talk, when we talked with Doug, I know Doug was a big fan this time last year. He just wasn't. So I, I mentioned I'd bought in with him in San Diego and I got born, so I kind of stayed away with it. I tweeted out after it came out that I think a fascinating Latin spot could be for uh, Gary Barnage. Obviously, he was cut by the Cleveland Browns just post-draft. But uh, do you think, you know, if they had thought this was something that, you know, pre-draft, obviously it had to be in their, their thoughts and in their discussions. It was such a good, solid tight end class, you know, up at the top of it, possibly historically great uh, in the long term. Are you surprised that they didn't uh, go and uh, get themselves a tight end in the in the draft that you know you could have seen this coming? And obviously there was uh, interesting thoughts around Juju Smith Schuster uh, signing with them mm-hmm. after the draft. Do you think maybe this here clarifies that? You know, you mentioned Eli Rogers in the slot. Do you think they thought maybe we'll just not really go? We'll go with a blocking tight end more so, and then have our other pass catchers uh, do the job in the rest of the field. I honestly think that they were okay with taking a tight end in in the draft, actually, and I think that they were sniped because if you remember, the Cleveland Browns traded up in front of them, yeah. and uh, they get, took David Njoku. And Njoku is a guy that I'm really excited about. He's actually my number one rookie tight end. Like I know OJ Howard is the safe pick. He's the one that everybody wants to say is the next Greg Olson, and that that might be the case. But I think David Njoku, when I watch him on tape, the guy just looks like a, a Calvin Johnson of tight ends. He just looks like he could have a massive ceiling. But as for their situation now. I, th- I be- like I said, I think once both t- the, the top two tight ends were off the board, I think even Evan Ingram was was gone to the Giants before yeah. the Steelers were on the clock. Um, I just don't, I feel like they were like we're not going to reach for a tight end at this point, so they didn't really need to. And now it's really interesting because maybe they go back to the the free agent market and they say let's get Gary Barnage on the cheap. He's a someone as a short term solution until maybe they could pick up a tight end in the 2018 draft or something like that because. I don't know if they really want to move forward with Jesse James, David Johnson, and Xavier Grimble as that their tight end depth chart. So I, I could see someone like you know maybe maybe they get Safarian Jenkins if the Jets don't hang on to him. Uh, there's there's a there's a multitude of different options here that I could see happening, but Gary Barnage would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think. Uh... 
if it's not Barnage, even if it is Barnage, it's going to be one of those kind of things, uh, you know, kind of putting a plaster over it to, just to get it to go through another year or two and see how they get on. But it's going to be interesting in the next, you know, we might see in the next 24, 48 hours, we might hear some more about it. So it's going to be interesting. The other one was uh, Ligarit Blunt signing with the Eagles, uh, you know, expecting him to do uh, first and second down work there, kind of the goal line work. Signed a one-year contract, hundred or $1.25 million a max, then up to $2.5 million. Um, you know the the backfield there. There's a lot of small guys in that backfield, so it's obviously a, a legitimate fit. I think as Blunt goes, it's probably the the best fit he could have hoped for at this point off the off season. It. I don't know if I would say the best. I mean, I really didn't think that Legarrette Blunt was going to get a job because you saw guys like Adrian Peterson, like Jamal Charles, get jobs before Blunt. And I think you know we talked about this on the Fantasy Pros podcast uh, yesterday, actually. And I was talking about I think that there is a reason that Legarrette Blunt was still a free agent. I think that people in the I mean the teams around the NFL understand that he's not really that good anymore. He's almost thirty one. Yeah, he's almost thirty one years old. He's only a one and two down back. He can't catch the ball out of the backfield. He's really just past his prime. Now, granted, he's coming off of a year where he had 18 touchdowns, and that's why the average fan looks at it and says, why isn't this guy signed? You know, he led the league in touchdowns, 18 touchdowns. You can't just do that if you're a bum. Well, I mean, playing in the New England offense, there's a lot of other concerns that teams worry about rather than Garrett Blunt diving in for a goal line plunge. So when you look at the the, the fundamentals of his game, you, you see that his yards after contact, which is something that he's supposed to be known for, he was kind of lackluster last year. He was he averaged 2.5 yards after contact, which was behind guys like, you know, Terrence West, Jonathan Stewart. These guys were better than him after contact. So for me, Garrett Blunt, I'm not a huge fan of him. Uh, I do think this does take some upside away from like someone like Carson Wentz because it's going to take away some of that touchdown potential. Um, but for me, I'm curious to your take. I mean, do you really believe that LeGarrette Blunt is a better running back than Ryan, Ryan Matthews, or is, is this pure health concern for Ryan Matthews? Yeah, I think with Ryan Matthews, it's health concern. I, I, I don't think Ryan Matthews is back with the team, and that's been kind of reported by the beat reporters yep. this year. The neck injury, anytime there's a neck injury, we've seen it, you know, he wasn't the best running back in the world, but Ahmad Bradshaw a couple of years ago, he was in a similar situation with the Colts, and he was playing quite solid. He was with the Giants as well, and that neck injury really put an end to him. And I think the teams around the league are going to be very very concerned about giving somebody with the the neck issue that Matthews had an opportunity I I think talent wise Ryan Matthews is a much much superior running back you know I I rather him as a player but when it comes to a history of injuries and the history of injuries in particular that Ryan Matthews have had whether it's shoulder uh, all the issues he had when he was with the the Chargers I just think there's too much concern there and I think why I would say it's a good fit is because of the fact that they need that kind of big back with the other guys they have there and I, I presume mm-hmm. just that Ryan Matthews wasn't going to be back it's more of a you know I'm I'm more of a kind of late round or zero RB guy and he kind of fits that mold rather than you know if, if you're looking for somebody after the 10th round as a, yeah. as a as again similar to the the Gary Barnett thing it's a kind of one year plaster until they, they can get somebody in next year's draft I think yeah, yeah, no, I mean, for me personally, and I mean, you can speak on your behalf, I would rather own Mike Gillisley. I would rather take the shot of Mike Gillisley than drafting LeGarrette Blunt. Yeah, probably, yeah, I'd feel the same. The, the issue then with Mike Gillisley is just with the sheer volume of running backs that is in New England. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's if you want to get into the New England situation. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. It's definitely worrisome that they have like, you know, like eight running backs in their roster that can all look look like they can play. But for me, they actually spent equity to get Mike Gillisley yeah. and they they purposely took him away from the bills and were willing to pay that price tag. And, you know, I, I, I happen to think that Mike Gillisley was like a diamond in the rough that the bills just kind of took for granted. And the bills are making tons of questionable moves right now, whether it be, you know, not picking up Sammy Watkins option, not, not committing to Tyrod Taylor. (laughs) So uh, there's just so many question marks around the bills. So for me, I think that they stole a gem and I think that he fits. uh, I think he's a better version of what LeGarrette Blunt was last year. I'm not saying he's going to score 18 touchdowns, but I think that he could be locked into double digit touchdowns and in a much better offense than Philadelphia. Yeah, I think yeah, that's uh, there's all pretty much uh, right. Uh, another little bit of news on the running back front is Devontae Freeman. Obviously, there's a lot of talk around him uh, going into his contract year and him looking for an extension. Uh, word is that he wants to get that elite level running back money. Obviously, that's a bit less than what would have been maybe ten years ago. But do you think that he's somebody that you would go ahead and you know give six to eight million a year to, or do you think just in the age of the running back that we're at at the moment that? The, the, you know you'd be better off to maybe franchise tag him uh, this time next year like we've seen with uh, Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers well it, it really comes down to you know people want to compare it to price of the market and six to eight million sounds like a lot for a running back but at the same time you look at guys like Mohamed Sanu who garnered you know seven million are you going to rather pay Mohamed Sanu seven million dollars as a wide receiver or are you going to pay six million dollars to Devonta Freeman for me I'm willing to pay Devonta Freeman and the reason I would be willing to is because he's a guy that does not have to come off the field he can play on third downs he can pass block semi-decent for his size but he is one of the best pure running backs in the NFL. Yeah. Um, he makes people miss. He says this year that he wants to punish people. I don't, I don't think that's his game. I think that's Devonta Freeman just talking, talking. <laughs> um, but Devonta Freeman is the superior running back. I, you know, I stood my ground last year saying that even though Tevin Coleman started out the year hot, Devonta Freeman was the one I wanted. And, you know, we saw the, the tables kind of turned as the season went on. You know, we saw Devonta Freeman score eight touchdowns in the final six regular season games. We saw them ride him into the into the Super Bowl. So, I mean, Devonta Freeman, I think he's one. I think he's a top five talent at the running back position in terms of all around talent. I'm not talking about, you know, first, second down running back. I mean, I just think that he's one of the true three down running backs in the NFL. And I do believe that he deserves that six to eight million as long as he's with a team that will utilize him as such, because, you know, you don't want him going to a team that's not going to use him as such like if he goes to the bears and the bears you know substitute him out for kadeem carey or jeremy langford that's just dumb yeah i I think it was the perfect fit as well for what kyle shanahan was doing last year in atlanta so if they can you know run similar scheme this year and that offensive line improved dramatically over the last two seasons so i think he's a great fit there some of the the touchdown runs he made last year just you know on those zone runs he just makes it look so easy at times it looks like you know nobody's going to get near him to, to make that tackle and uh, there was a, quite a few of them you know from 10 to 15 yards out that he ended up walking and untouched but just just his, his vision as well uh, very very uh, you know somebody I, I regard very very highly uh, there's lots of noise obviously over the last kind of week or two since the draft and it's going to get louder and louder until uh, the season starts but was there any kind of rumors or noise i didn't want to write down all this stuff but is there anything over the last kind of fortnight or 14 days that uh, you <laughs> thought was I, I i described it as 14 days fortnight is has that caught on in the stitch yet <laughs> <laughs> no it hasn't but i like it i like it maybe i'll start using it yeah. um one of the things that really popped up and it was actually just uh yesterday actually it was the whole carlos Hyde joe williams debate and the fact that you know people are Such anointing hype. Yeah, they're anointing Joe Williams as the starter in San Francisco, and I think it's I think it's a joke. Um, Carlos Hyde 
is extremely talented. You know, Joe Williams was someone who wasn't ranked inside my top 15 running backs pre-draft. Now, granted, I understand, you know, Shanahan, he's handpicked and this and that. And it, 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 that's all fine and dandy. But when it comes down to actually playing on the field, I want to see I want to see Carlos Hyde. And the thing is, we haven't heard Kyle Shanahan come out and say he doesn't like Carlos Hyde. I think that what he wants to do is he wants to run a multi running back system. And I think Joe Williams is just part of that. I don't I, for me, it's kind of like the whole Mike Davis thing all over again, where people wanted to start saying Mike Davis was going to eat into that. And he was a concern for Carlos Hyde. And I think he got caught last recently, he, didn't he? he he got traded. Okay. That was part of the trade, I think, to the Broncos when they got Capri Bibbs. Um, it was during the draft. It was yeah. for it was basically no nobody. It was just dumping players. Um, but for me, Carlos Hyde, I'll take the discount all day long. I view Carlos Hyde as a as a back end RB one. Yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. I think Carlos Hyde. I'll, again, Carlos Hyde's actually has been staying on the field, and anytime he's been on the field, he's looked uh, very very good. So I I, I just kind of hope that it keeps pushing up and pushing up because then that's going to drive Hyde's ADP down and down and down until we get to draft yeah. time. So that, you know, sometimes I just think yeah, let let that just keep building up because I'm going to have no interest in Williams. But that was something that I thought was. Uh, you know, it's getting crazy, and I, I notice people on Twitter are starting to starting to maybe realize that it's getting a little bit out of hand at this point in time. Uh, we're going to do lots of wide receiver talk on today's show. Um, I'm going to start off with uh, the Chargers wide receiver room. Obviously, they drafted Mike Williams, and there was noise this week that he mightn't be their starter. I think sometimes when you get in at this time of the year, it's trying to put a bit of motivation into those rookies and see, uh, you know, to make sure they're going to work for it. We've seen this time last year, I believe it was, uh, with uh, Ezekiel Elliott, that he wasn't going to be the Cowboys starter and he was going to have to earn that role. Uh, so <laughs> I think he pretty much earned it all season long. But with, uh, you know, they've Keenan Allen obviously coming back from injury. Travis Benjamin was added last year. Terrell Williams had a very kind of underrated season last year. And then uh, you know, I mentioned there Williams. How do you see it shaking out uh, with those four as as the wide receivers? And then earlier, obviously, we mentioned with Gates and Henry as well. But just looking at the the wide receiver position, well, you kind of have to view it as a whole, right? I mean, you yeah, still do have Gates, you still have Henry, you have Melvin Gordon, who who like rightfully so, he caught more passes than people seem to think that he did. Yeah. But when it comes to the the pick of Mike Williams, it was kind of a head scratcher because before Mike Williams was even on the roster, you kind of try you had to figure out where is Keenan Allen going to get his target from targets from because. Tyrell Williams kind of came onto the scene and playing just he played just as well as Keenan Allen has. Um, you know, Dontrell Inman came on there. They paid a lot of money for Travis Benjamin to come there in free agency. So it's like, who's going to play? And you have to kind of say, is there a spot for Mike Williams right now on in the starting lineup? And my answer would be no. I think that Tyrell the Gazelle is out there. I think he he's out wide. I I don't know if they're going to try and slide Keenan Allen into the slot, but my take is that you keep Keenan Allen outside and you play Dontrell Inman in the slot and Mike Williams just takes the practice reps, comes on in four wide sets, just works his way through it. But in terms of, you know, fantasy implications and what this means, I think it's just trying to when you do projections, you have to figure out, okay, there's this many targets that's going to go to the towards the wide receivers. We know that and that's where you kind of have to distribute targets. So my biggest concern of all of this, it's not even Mike Williams necessarily, it's its Keenan Allen. And I went through and I looked at everything. Keenan Allen, in games where he sees 10 or less targets, he averages just 6.92 standard fantasy points per game. And you go into the games where he's averaged more, or he's seen more than 10 targets, he averages 15.6. 
standard fantasy points per game. So it's a massive difference. I don't think he's going to be seeing 10 plus targets on, on a regular basis anymore. So him, unfortunately, I, I have him as a low end wide receiver too right now. And I just don't, I can't find any way to move him up in my projections. Yeah, I think going into this time last year, I don't know if anyone was higher on Keenan Allen than I was. And then obviously week one versus the Chiefs. And that, that their game was actually uh, on the day after my wedding. So uh, <laughs> that, wow. that, that was an unwanted wedding present uh, there. But he obviously um, went down injured and that ended all of it. I had, I'd be, I was taking him kind of in any drafts where I had the pick at the turn, I was taking him either the, you know, maybe pick 11 in some cases or else taking him on the, the turn back the way. So I, I was stocking up on him last year. But as you mentioned there, just it's particularly in PPR leagues, he had that value. But now with all the receivers, with all the mice to feed, and if you're playing a standard leagues in particular, as you were mentioned with those scoring points uh, on average, I just think uh, it's hard to, hard to trust him, particularly then coming back with a knee injury. I think up on, you know, certain people just think, you know, you have an ACL injury and you're just going to walk back, even MCL, you're just going to walk back in like it's a computer game. But when you look at players like Jamal Charles last year, you know, the difficulties that sometimes players have coming back, not everyone's going to come back like Adrian Peterson. So we kind of have to take that into account as well. And, you know, Giovanni Bernard's another player coming back off an injury this year. And I'm buying him up in a lot of leagues just basically because his value has dropped with the mix and pick. Uh, but again, coming off that knee injury is something that uh, I think people just overlook at times. Uh, the next the next one up to look at is uh, the Giants, and you have Branton Marshall signed uh, from the Jets this offseason. Sterling Shepard's in his second year. Uh, Evan Ingram was drafted, you know, very, very high uh, in the draft in terms of tight ends and then of course you have uh, Odell Beckham I think there's probably not much point in talking about Odell we know he's going to be at the, the very top of those lists uh, you know top top three definitely uh, at the wide receiver position mm-hmm. just out of interest do you have him uh, ahead of Mike Evans and Antonio Brown or where do you have those three shuffled I'm pretty sure they'll be the, the top three in most consensus yeah, no, it's funny. I was actually doing, I was working on that today, my top 200 and writing, you know, a couple sentences on every player. And Odell Beckham is someone I have at number three. I have him actually in front of Mike Evans, but I have him behind Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. Okay. Um, I am a little concerned that there's so many people coming in. Uh, you know, his his high ceiling of targets, 169 targets last year. That's I don't see that happening again. But Beckham is good enough to overcome, you know, a decrease in targets. That's not necessarily my concern. You know, I just don't think he has that record-breaking ceiling ceiling that Julio or Antonio Brown does. Um, in terms of everybody else, like Brandon Marshall, I won't own any Brandon Marshall. And the reason is I did a study this offseason, basically going through wide receivers and figuring out the age in which they lose their upside. And, yeah, yeah, you know, and yeah, the age he's at now is like the, uh, 33 uh, Brent, or is it 34. I, I sometimes I get mixed up. I see so many ages now. But basically, he's past the age of consistent wide receiver play. And if, and if he actually does finish as a wide receiver, too, he's an exception to the rule. And granted, you could say Brandon Marshall is a generational talent, but the only wide receivers that play into the age 33 or 34 are pretty much you know pro bowl type players because you know you don't stick around the league till 34 years old if you're not really really good so i i mean the question mark is you know brandon marshall did a lot of his damage with the bears in the slot um you know he played the slot some with the jets and now Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram play. They're, they're essentially the same player. Um, Evan Ingram, they're saying they want to use him as a regular tight end, which that's really not going to work. Um, he's not an inline tight end. He's a he's basically a big slot receiver. He's comparable to like a Jordan Matthews. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm really struggling to figure out how like their plan, why they drafted Ingram. Someone like Njoku would have made so much more sense for them or even, you know, trading up for OJ Howard or something like that. But, um, yeah, Brandon Marshall for me, he's a wide receiver three and he's going to be a very volatile one at that. 
Yeah, and it's just the reason I've mentioned all these uh, these two in particular at the start is just the volatility volatility from week to week is going to be hard to judge, and then uh, you know that there kind of puts me off those kind of players. Then uh, just on a weekly basis, because you know one week if he gets you thirty five and you've been sitting on your bench, and the next week he gets you you know a duck egg a zero, it's not much good to you. So the other ones though that I've mentioned here are more so from the fact that. Uh, it's going to be hard to find value and there will be value inevitably even in teams that their offenses struggle but it's just finding who it is I'm going to start off with the the LA Rams and uh, <laughs> we're, we obviously have Jared Goff as the quarterback and we know he kind of struggled in that second half but maybe there is a jump forward in this year but his wide receivers uh, are Robert Woods, Tavon Austin, Tavon Austin, Mike Thomas going into his second year uh, and then the rookies this year Cooper Cup and Josh Reynolds I think there's potential there for Robert Woods to have uh, you know a lot of fantasy value this year just based on a, a volume perspective. But you know I think as well I think Tavon Austin and the the statistics kind of really prove it up. I think he's you know a Boston. He's uh, going to be one of those players that short area game maybe, but it's just not going to add up to consistent fantasy points. I seen something about the I think it was um, any targets maybe over twenty yards that he's had. I think he's maybe only ever had eleven completions since he came into the league on on those targets. So. He's obviously, wow. you know, people thought coming into the league it could be a kind of Deshaun Jackson or a deep threat, but that hasn't materialized. But how do you see that? Any of those guys that are maybe cropping up on your radar, are they all out? out on, are you all out on them? Not really. You know, Robert Woods, he was someone that I, you know, when I, before the draft, it was someone, something I had to look at basically to say that, is there room for potential here? And, you know, I started to say maybe it's possible, but I don't think he's going to be consistent enough in order to actually do it. Because if you go back to his time with the Bills, he was one of the least efficient wide receivers on a per target basis. Like, and that was with better quarterback play than, you know, Jared Goff's going to be. So, while I expect Jared Goff to take a step forward, I don't think he's as bad as he was last year. I mean, I don't think it's possible to be much worse. But even if he takes a step forward, I think I'm going out and drafting Cooper Cup, someone who's ready, like an NFL-ready wide receiver. I think he's going to eat into those targets, and it, it, it almost just eliminated me to any want to draft anybody from this Rams team. I think it's if you're looking in like a best ball format, sure, you could look at someone like Robert Woods, and I think you could take a late-run flyer on even Cooper Cup. Um, just as a, a chance that they, you know, they have 70 yards and a touchdown because yeah. there are going to be games like that because they will see man on man coverage because, you know, Todd Gurley demands, you know, some attention in the box. So but in, in season long leagues, I, I stay away, stay far, far away from Rams receivers. Yeah, I have a feeling that pretty much all these teams here, we could be saying some similar things about the next up <laughs> is uh, San Francisco. And we mentioned Kyle Shanahan earlier. Obviously, we know what he did with Atlanta. He's over now. Uh, in San Francisco uh, the wide receivers here Pierre Garçon Jeremy Curley uh, who came over last year from Detroit mid-season uh, Bruce Ellington Aldrick Robinson who has come over as well from Atlanta so he kind of knows the system it'll be interesting to see how he fits in here and then another former Bills wide receiver Marquise Goodwin has come across as well so I think uh, Garçon who obviously played under Shanahan as well in Washington has a, an interesting fit mm-hmm. there I think uh, Curley is somebody who last year you know there was he was kind of just the only player only wide receiver really on the team uh, getting targets and then uh, Aldrick Robinson who might be some just with no one the system might be a very very deep sleeper but I think your Sean could uh, have interest this year is he somebody that you're looking at 
Yes, absolutely. He's he's one of my favorite um, like late round targets just because nobody. Yeah, I think his ADP is outside the top fifty or sixty wide receivers, and I have him ranked uh, inside my top thirty six. Um, I actually like him a lot. It, you know, you mentioned that he played under Shanahan back in Washington. No, nobody the, realizes the best this season of his career as well. It was, and it was actually the year he led the NFL in targets. He had one hundred eighty two targets in one of those years. And the other year he was hurt, but he still saw solid targets under Shanahan. So then bringing him in paying him the 17 million that they did in the first year of his deal and i kind of comb through that it's a two-year deal so they're pretty much locked into pierre garçon for two years so they did make a commitment to him um he's going to be there he's he is the logical choice to see targets and we've seen brian hoyer make wide receivers fantasy relevant like we saw it with deandre hopkins we saw it last year with cameron meredith he can do it, and that's the thing is people are underestimating Brian Hoyer a little bit. I wish that they would have gotten another option in the passing game for him, um, but for me, I think Pierre Garçon is going to be rock-solid wide receiver three on your fantasy team. Um, he's not going to give you you know 100-yard, two-touchdown games. That's not what Pierre Garçon does, but yeah, seven catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, sure. That could, that could happen. So I'm I'm definitely in on Pierre Garçon. Yeah, just going back to that 2013 season, uh, he had 113 receptions for 1,346 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, and then last year, if you look at it, he had 79 catches for 1,041 yards and three touchdowns. And again, last year averaging uh, 65.1 yards a game. So there was that consistency there as well. So I think he's definitely somebody that somebody's sleeping on. And uh, any of the MFL 10s that I've drafted in so far, I've got him in quite a few of them. Uh, you know, if you're drafting, you get him late uh, pretty easy. And so he's the first name so far that I've I've been very interested in. Next up, we'll go to the Carolina Panthers. We have uh, Benjamin uh, Funches, obviously, who didn't do much again last year, hasn't done much since coming to the league. And then they drafted Curtis Samuel. So it's pretty bear at the wide receiver position uh, greg olson there obviously is going to gobble up a lot of targets and we'll see uh, you know what the the running back situation there's gonna be a lot of targets going there as well but is there anything there that interests you uh, i'm pretty much out on all of them yeah no i mean it's it's tough to like anybody there just because you don't know what to expect with the offense now with mccaffrey and samuel there like yeah. are they going to dump it down are they going to change who cam newton's been throughout his entire career but for me the player i'm interested in drafting and i've been drafting in mfl 10s is uh devin funches and the reason is because you know ted ginn leaves via free agency right yeah. and in the targets that Devin Funches has had over his career, he's had it's 120, I think, 120 targets. He's got nine touchdowns on those 120 targets, which is a solid rate in terms of what he's been able to do when he gets targets. Yeah. He's going to enter the the starting lineup. You know, Corey Brown is gone, Ted Ginn's gone. Someone needs to stretch the field to use Cam Newton's biggest strength, his cannon of an arm. That's what Cam Newton does best: is whips the ball downfield. Funches is really the only logical guy on this team that can do that. So for me, to look at someone that you can get, you know, as the wide receiver 60 in your draft, wide receiver 70, whatever the case. Last night, actually, I was doing an industry dynasty draft. I got him as the 80th wide receiver drafted. And um, when you go that far down the beaten path to find a guy that could potentially score eight or more touchdowns, yeah. I'm all in. I, I mean, I, I will buy at that price all day long because, I mean – Outside of that, you're looking at guys down there like, you know, Jeremy Curley. You're looking at guys like uh, 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 Ted Ginn, maybe uh, Kendall Wright, Paul Richardson. So, again, I'm looking for the upside there. And I think Funches is a guy that maybe people gave up a year too early on. Yeah, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks back on Twitter as well. You know, usually, you know, when players, say four or five years ago, a player comes into the league, you give them two or three years to see if they break out. But 
you know that 2014 class really changed people's kind of perceptions of how quickly yeah. players should come into the league and uh, you know hit it straight away so uh, i think is this his third year or fourth year for funches in the league this will be his third year yeah so you know you're looking at that there stage so there's a possibility that we just haven't given him enough time and i mentioned he hasn't done anything he was injured for quite a bit of the first season and then uh, you know just slow last year so you're mentioning if he's going at wide receiver 80 you're looking at uh, you know trying you know if he if he gets anything above a wide receiver four in a 12 team league you're you're cashing in on your investment there so uh, i'm just going to have to dig a little bit deeper into devin funches uh, in the next uh, few days uh, okay. i'm going to try and rapid fire through the next two uh, next one up is the baltimore ravens uh Brashad perryman another one who's kind of failed to disappoint had some flashes last year at times but just hasn't put it all together uh, after his injuries the other one then mike wallace and uh, super bowl hero from a few years ago chris matthews formerly of the seattle seahawks but really outside of perryman and uh, wallace there isn't a lot on that their uh, wide receiver depth chart any of those uh, striking your fancy I mean, Mike Wallace is somebody with his ADP where it is. I'll draft some of him. You know, there's a lot of stats going around, which I actually stated before last year that Mike Wallace is like always a top 30 wide receiver that he was undervalued last year. But now we're getting to the point in his career where it's like, you know, he's going to start trending downward. And it's not to say that he's going to fall off a cliff. I view him as a a, a solid wide receiver four on your fantasy team, like right in that 35 to 40 range is where I'd feel comfortable drafting him. If you're looking for upside, if you're looking for a guy that could potentially finish as a wide receiver two on this team, I think it's Prashad Perriman um, just because he offers you that big splash play potential and he's an excellent target in uh, in best ball leagues then the last one for this kind of team format that we're going to hit is the Jets uh, Eric Decker coming off that double surgery we'll see what happens with him there was also rumors that he could possibly be cut by the Jets uh, then you have Robbie Anderson who got arrested a couple of weeks back and then Quincy Nunua who had a nice season last year and then kind of after that you're looking at somebody like Sharon Peake or, or Darius Stewart who was uh, drafted this year by the Jets it's really uh, tough. Probably Quincy and out of that. I'm a big Decker guy, but mm-hmm. obviously the concern coming out of the after the the surgeries. Uh, how do you see it shaking out here? And it's just yeah, uh, de- it's not it's not it's not nice looking. No, it's really not, and that's that's the concern, right? I mean, Josh McCown hasn't really done much that to make you feel like he can make anybody fantasy relevant. God forbid um, we but, get to, to pet it. Or, <laughs> right. Just, well, I mean, everybody everybody knows about Decker. They all know about Anunwa and all this stuff. But for me, I'm really interested in Ardarius Stewart because I was really a huge fan of him coming out of school because I was really hoping that he'd go to a better quarterback situation because he's coming from college where he didn't really have a good quarterback situation there either. But what this guy does after the catch is what's what's really terrific. About him you know they, they need to work ways to get the ball in his hands because once he has the ball in his hands he reminds me a lot of like a Steve Smith where you do not want to see him in the open field like he's not going to run out of bounds like you are going to have to tackle him and he's a big guy so I mean I like our Darius Stewart if you're playing in like a keeper league a dynasty yeah, league or whatever yeah. yeah like if you're looking down the chart and you're just like you're sitting there looking between a few players and you see him on the board definitely grab him yeah it's looking for that there I think the Jets is them teams I mentioned are kind of guys that you know, if you pick one of those in the later rounds and they hit this year and they, you know, go, you know, maybe finish as a wide receiver tree, a high wide receiver tree or a wide receiver two, you're really, you know, things like that there can help push you into the playoffs and possibly help you win the league. So that's the reason I wanted to run through teams like that. The the last question now before we finish up, and I'm going to put you on the spot, you have to pick one of these three guys uh, to uh, reach their potential in 2017. They didn't uh, reach it last year. That is Josh Dotson, uh, Laquan Treadwell or Kevin White with the Bears. Is there one of them, I would say just based on opportunity, you're probably looking at Kevin White, but he hasn't uh, done it on the field as of yet. Out of those three, pick one uh, for a successful 2017. 
Yeah, for me, it's Kevin White. Um, if you're looking for a guy that, you know, he's at least had some experience in the league so far. Doxson really hasn't got on the field. Treadwell hasn't really got on the field. You know, it's like those guys still have some time to learn. Whereas Kevin White, I feel like it's really a make or break year for him. And they are relying on him as the true number one wide receiver on this team. Like, there's no doubt about it that he is the number one. Yeah. I think that the, the person that should be concerned is Cameron Meredith because they brought in, you know, Marcus Wheaton, who is what he is, uh, and then Kendall Wright. So they felt the need to spend there. They felt the need to bring in tight ends but Kevin White is essentially replacing Alshon Jeffrey in this offense and they're going to give him they're going to pepper him with targets as long as he's healthy to get them so for me I think Kevin White is actually someone who's being underdrafted in uh in drafts right now and that's for me a Bears fan who is usually pessimistic <laughs> about the Bears um but I will tell you that I'm I'm excited to see what Kevin White can do in that number one role healthy and uh, either of the other two guys, any hope, obviously Treadwell last year was just a, a complete mess of a season for yeah. him, pretty much couldn't yeah. get on the field. Uh, you know, somebody who there was so much talk about this time last year, and particularly a lot of dynasty assets put into him, first round pick last year, often always taken pretty much in the top four picks last year, and then Doxon as well, who was in the similar boat, and Strange last year, the play call, and he seemed to only get in the field, uh, you know, if they were in the red zone for goal line fades, which he couldn't uh, connect with either, so any of those two guys you have any hope for? Uh, Doxson is someone I do have hope for because I'm not a huge Terrell Pryor guy. I don't think he's bad, but I, th- I think Doxson was brought in there for a reason. I think that Kirk Cousins is a terrific quarterback, and Doxson was a guy that was drafted as the number one wide receiver in your dynasty leagues last year. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to forget about the talent. Like, he's really talented. It's just a matter of can his health remain there. Um, as for Treadwell, I have no hopes this year. Um, I haven't fully given up on Treadwell for what it's worth. Uh, I think he's really, really young. Um, I want to say he's he's only 21 years old now even after a year in the league um but it was like a, a glimmer of hope when it was just like okay he's going to be in the starting lineup with Thielen and uh, Stefan Diggs and then they go out and sign Michael Floyd the other week and it's just like man it, it almost just feels like they're prepared for the worst with yeah. him and they don't really want him on the field just yet and it's it's sad because I I, I actually like Treadwell coming out of school yeah the, the signs just uh, aren't pointing in a positive direction for him at the moment uh, Dotson as well you know obviously we mentioned earlier Pierre Garçon he's left Washington Deshaun Jackson's gone to the box as well so uh, you know the opportunity should be there for him to take a step forward this year so I'm quite excited to, quietly excited to see if he, he can put it all together this year um, obviously we've run through a lot of wide receivers there but before we finish up I want to give you an opportunity the, the last time you were on the show you were just uh, about to finish up with Pro Football Focus you're now with FantasyPros.com Uh, fantastic website you mentioned earlier some of the the articles that you're writing but do you want to plug anything that you had uh, come out this week maybe or come out recently or coming out uh, towards the end of the week that you, you want to give a plug to Honestly, I write something every single day, yeah. and and <laughs> I mean and the thing is, yeah, no, and I really don't stop, and like I I, I put my heart and soul into everything I do. I, I really feel like I don't just do something to do it. Like if I do something, I want to do it right. And I've worked on pieces talking about age and when players like you know that when they trend down. Tomorrow morning, an article's coming out that's really unique that I haven't really seen. Um, I did what is the impact of of coaching changes in fantasy football? Like whether it's a head coach and offensive coordinator, whether it's just a coordinator and or if nothing at all happens what does that mean and you'll actually be pretty surprised by like what what actually happens when a team remains the same it's there's actually is some impact and it's very telling results so it, it's just a neat piece that i've been working on and uh, hopefully everybody likes it as much as i do yeah that, that's actually gonna be very interesting i'm looking forward to that you mentioned as well earlier the, the wide receiver age piece and i find that very very interesting a lot a lot of data in it as well so you can find all mike's work on fantasypros.com as well you can find it 
uh, all the stuff on twitter at mike taglier nfl that is t-a-g-l-i-e-r-e and uh, of course uh is that you still doing the hot right podcast with uh i guess we'll say your better wife <laughs> better half. Yeah, we're going to be starting that back up at some point in this off season. We we took a break in season because everybody's just so busy. Yeah, so we're waiting. Yeah, we're just waiting for everything to kind of kick back into full gear, get settled in the new house, and uh, get back to work. Because uh, I mean, with this baby, because we have a newborn, yeah. so uh, yeah, our baby's a lot that. of work. <laughs> but yeah, well, we're getting we're going to get it back at some point. But for now, I'm just kind of focusing on all my fantasy pro stuff. Yeah, everything uh, gets very busy during the season, so it's nice to do one show a week now for myself. But I know you're still writing like crazy. And Doug mentioned in the intro, Kenny, your story from uh, taking a taking a chance uh, to go and be a, an, an NFL fantasy writer. And uh, I'm so glad that everything's working out uh, for you at the moment. So it's always good to, to see the good guys kind of getting ahead. I appreciate that, man. Like, uh, like 100. I I really do appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you're out there listening and you want to get into it, reach out to me, and I I offer nothing but the best that I can to you. So uh, Mike's on Twitter at Mike Tagliere NFL. I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and Doug, of course, uh, he's on Twitter at More NFL. And he'll be back with me next week. We'll have another show. So be sure you subscribe to the podcast. Tune in again next week uh, for the next show. And uh, until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production. If you're looking for some new NFL merchandise, be sure and check out the promo code we have got going on with NFL Shop Europe. Uh, All you have to do is at checkout, enter the code OTI10, save 10% off all orders on NFL Europe Shop. Their website is europe.nflshop.com and they have the same range of great clothing available as you see on nflshop.com. So it's the European equivalent but has all the same great merch and uh, be sure and check it out if you're looking for some new uh, hats or jerseys, anything really NFL related. Uh, You can even get clothing and jerseys for your dog. So in case you want to go crazy and uh, buy some merch like that there, just use that code OTI10 while you're checking out. They kick back a little bit to the OTI podcast and... uh, Of course, you'll uh, end up with some fabulous merchandise for uh, a 10% savings as well. So that is OTI10 and the website is europe.nflshop.com.